Hello and welcome to episode 271 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I am one of the co-founders here at ETR and we are coming off of an Island of Moreau kind of week. Yes, that's right. This Foster Moreau, Darren Waller situation that came up Sunday was one of the more interesting things we've seen all season. I think it was unique because, well, for a few reasons, you know, A, the Waller injury news did not break until Saturday night and it just out of the blue. I mean, we had no warning this was coming whatsoever. B, the tight end position, always weak. C, Eagles are best attacked with both the pass game and they're both attack, best attacked with the pass game over the middle. And D, Moreau was actually an interesting pass catching prospect coming out of college in 2019. And most importantly, finally, this was the late game. And we had no real news, like no hard news on whether Waller would play. No one really knew if Darren Waller would play through this ankle injury or not. Nothing concrete, at least. But if you read the Adam Schefter report closely, shout out to friend of the show, Schefter, my uh, bookshelf vice president now, I am the king. But anyways, if you followed Adam Schefter's report closely, he made it sound pretty skeptical. So I thought it was like 60-40 that Waller would sit, 65-35 that Waller would sit. So look, I mean... Come on, there's nothing that gets me to a full 3.9 like playing $2,500 tight ends on DraftKings.com in cash. I fucking love it. Like the floor, the floor ceiling combo on the mid-range guys is so overrated at tight end. Although the fake tight ends like Mike Jasicki and Kyle Pitts, you know, are changing that some, right? Like IE guys listed as tight end. Jasicki and Pitts, but essentially playing wide receiver by lining up slot or wide on almost all their snaps. But yeah, you know, especially in cash, getting a 2,500 tight end who is reasonable just opens up so much. So I went for it. I put in Moreau. I had a plan, a swap plan in place if Waller ended up active. He didn't. The Island played every single snap. He went 661 on six targets. The rest is history. You know, cash is one thing, but in GPP, you know, as always, late news is more valuable. If the Darren Waller news became official on Friday about his ankle that he was out, Moreau is probably like 35% in GPPs. If it comes out Sunday morning, he's probably around 15 to 20%. But since the Darren Waller news wasn't official until 2.45 p.m. Eastern Sunday, he's only 5% in the $20 millimaker. I'm actually shocked that even in high stakes, you know, in the 4K, Foster Moreau was only 44 percent owned just a clear reminder that if you're considering a swap and it's close understand the leverage that you get from late news uh, okay i want to touch on a couple other things here today but first need to remind everyone the nba season is underway it's tough for me to convey how overwhelmingly impossible it is to try to play nba dfs or bet nba props without a literal team of people working 24 7 on news and projections that's what we have, led by Dink and Gallagher, but we have people in all time zones all over the world. There are two separate products, one for DFS and one for props. You can bundle them both for the cheapest price. Highly recommend you check it out. Props are a smash so far as expected. A couple other things for cash from week seven I wanted to touch on. There were three really, really strong but expensive plays on DraftKings. It was pretty clear, right? Derrick Henry home against the Chiefs, one of the league's worst defenses. Devontae Adams home against Washington football team pass funnel. Cooper Cup, he of the slate-breaking breakfast narrative against the Lions. I never really considered playing Devontae Adams in cash. I think the way the Packers ideally want to play isn't great for ceiling, unless they're pushed. 
But I'd be lying if I said I thought Cup was like a slam dunk over the big dog. Like typically I think running back in cash when it's close is better than wide receiver. Obviously we can more tightly project a share of a team's running back carries than we can a share of a team's targets in one week samples. Like we know Derrick Henry is going to handle 90 plus percent of the Titans running back carries. But with a wide receiver, I mean, in any week we could see Tunyon or Lazard or Aaron Jones or MVS when he gets back or, or, you know, any of those guys could steal a bunch of work in a one game sample. The same, at least in theory, on the Cooper Cup stuff could be said about Bobby Trees, Robert Woods, Tyler Higby, Van Jefferson, DeHendo, etc. So yeah, you know, I almost played a Derrick Henry team and that would have been torture because as much of an outlier as Derrick Henry has been in terms of efficiency, Cooper Cup's role as a wide receiver is really difficult to wrap our heads around. Like, I don't need to go into it. I've talked about it plenty all year, but the dude has broken five slates already this year. It's just insane. So yeah, I mean, shout out to Leone and Mark and our projections team. We had Cup for 24.9 DraftKings points, Henry for 24.0, Adams for 23.5 and cup was the cheapest by a meaningful amount and we had him for the most points so you know ended up going with a cup team and it worked out last thing i wanted to comment on this situation um is what's going on with robbie anderson calvin ridley and t higgins like what's going on with their yards per target is really unique you don't see this kind of ineptitude from guys who are talented or at least we think are very talented guys playing with reasonable or above average quarterbacks for the most part, you know, I played Ridley in cash in week seven. I played Robbie on a GPP team. I played T Higgins on two GPP teams. They combined for 34 targets at really reasonable salaries. And so, you know, you could go full-blown team, watch the tape. You could try to rationalize all this, or you could just take the longest view in the room. You know, shout out Sam Hinkie, take the longest view in the room and say this stuff will normalize over time. Um, I think the one that obviously I'm most worried about is Robbie Anderson. Like doesn't have the same talent as Ridley and T, I don't think. And obviously the quarterback play is significantly worse. But on Ridley and T, I mean, yeah, their ADOTs are lower than it's been. um, And players around them are playing really well, but I'll likely ride it out on Ridley and T, especially if other people are getting off them. Okay, let's get to tournaments. And your humble King GPP bro was actually winning the juke the $400 buy-in on DraftKings uh, around, I don't know, like in the second quarter of the late games. Um, I had DeAndre Swift and Miles Sanders still going. Obviously, once Miles Sanders went down, I was dead. Also did not have cups, so I was probably dead anyways. Finished 14th, but, you know, I was looking back at the team, and I'm not sure it was really all that good, to be honest. I played a Tua Tagovailoa double. I thought Tua was actually okay for cash given how aggressive Miami has been with their pass game, how fast both teams are playing. But anyway, these Tua doubles got really steamed in small field stuff on DraftKings. You know, Tua was 13% in the juke, Waddle 22%, Jasicki 22%. You know, not great. Then I had already filled the tight end spot, thought double tight end was okay on DraftKings this week, and maybe I should have thought about it more, but I ended up going with Ridley because I just loved Ridley, and my God, Calvin Ridley ends up 31%, so I have two at 13%, Waddle 22%, Jasicki 22%, Ridley 31%, I mean, just a disaster. And I know what you're thinking, you know, Adam, why does it matter? You know, if it hits, it hits. Right, but at these ownership percentages, what do I win when I win? You know, me and 25 to 30% of the field also wins. That doesn't really get me any money. 
So if that many people are playing this and it fails and I have something else, well, well then I have something going. Rest of the team I had though with the two of double, I actually really liked. I had Kelsey, AJ Brown, mini stack at reasonable ownership, Giants D to get off the Arizona chalk and stay cheap, and then Swift as a one-off. Um, Swift was just 12% in this. The way he's being used just creates such an outrageous ceiling. Like he's on pace for 100 catches and he has eight carries from inside the 10-yard line already. Like when you can do that at the running back position, I mean, it's just wild. Absolutely wild. So just a smash DeAndre Swift this year. Okay, got to get to the listener questions, but I do want to say one thing about FanDuel. If you go back to episode 260, I talked through my thoughts on FanDuel tournaments and specifically how Tom Brady and the Bucks set up on that format. I mean, obviously, you know, no one was listening. As we know, I played Brady Evans Godwin in the 4-4-4 buy-in, got Brady 4%, Mike Evans 10%. You know, Godwin was massive chalk at 34%. But I also got Damian Harris in there at 11. You know, Damian Harris at 11, home against the Jets, Ramondre inactive. All I'm thinking about is TDs, like in that format. Love Damian Harris. Had Travis Kelsey and DeHendo and Mooney in there, so I only got, you know, a little bit over a min cash. But yeah, like FanDuel is the place for getting unquestionably good plays at low ownership. Like because everyone is so cheap there, other than Derrick Henry, of course, but that, you know, on FanDuel you can get stars, legit stars, you know, like Mike Evans without Antonio Brown that other people just aren't on. All right, I've talked long enough. It is time for everyone's favorite portion of the program, the listener questions. Producer Luke, hit the theme music. All right. Thank you to everyone for the questions. Going to do eight today. Question one comes from Adam Gallagher. He says, how does the overall lifestyle slash personality traits of a GPP bro differ than that of someone who plays cash? Detail, please. Yeah, so there's obviously some very, very sophisticated GPP players now. But, you know, if you go back to the beginning of poker, I mean, the real players, the real action, the highest stakes, the biggest swings, the best players, the sharpest players, it was all in cash games. You know, we used to call the tournament, the poker tournament idiots boomers, you know, not like old people boomers, but just idiots who saw poker on TV. They're part of the boom. And now they think they're some tournament pro, you know, they show up with the big thick sunglasses and staring down people for a minute before each decision, like they're going to pick up some live tell, you know, whining about bad beats, criticizing other people's play. And I think at the early days of DFS, there were certainly some similarities there. I mean, let's be honest, you know, most people, 99% of people want to put up a little bit of money with some chance, albeit a very small one, you know, to win a lot. So look, you know, I, I made fun of the boomers. I made fun of the GPP bros. You know, they shave their chest. They smash Natty Ices against their forehead. They go to the clubs. They are only a 4v4 away from winning the Millie Maker each week. You know, they like to dance. They like to talk about how rich they are. But in all honesty, you know, I, I wish I had focused on tournaments. You know, like they didn't know it, but they probably had it right. Like early on in poker, when uh, the strategy or like the winning strategy was whoever was the most aggressive was winning. I mean, that was the time to take on the higher upside stuff. You know, yeah, it's tilting to play for three days and only 2x, but to get the 100x, 200x returns, like obviously makes sense. So yeah, you know, I've said a lot of bad stuff about poker tournament bros and, and DFS GPP bros in my life, but I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't mean it. 
Question two from Rudy. He says, DraftKings has just announced that they're leaving Australia in mid-November and will be geo-locked from playing. Would be great if you could give us now DraftKings list Aussies a solo pod shout out. Damn, man, I, I hadn't heard that, Rudy. That That's brutal. Um, there are definitely some very, very good players in Australia, too. I, I know of a couple. Uh, sorry to hear that, man. Um, I don't know. I, I've actually never been to Australia. Uh, I really want to go, though. I, I did go to New Zealand for 10 days a long time ago. That was awesome. I actually went skydiving there in Queenstown, which was uh, a whole other story. But I'd really like to go to Australia, man. I, I'd, I'd actually love to do a Aussie Millions poker slash Australian Open tennis trip. And, you know, it's, if I didn't have the, you know, if I didn't have the unprotected intercourse, you know, six and a half years ago, and then have the unprotected intercourse again, 3.75 years ago, uh, I'd definitely do that trip. But alas, you know, I had the sex. So, so here I am preparing for Disney on ice and Legoland and, you know, anyways, uh, I got off topic here, but yeah, sorry for your loss here, Rudy. Uh, I'm sure there's some DFS opportunity there. For an entrepreneur, you know, maybe. I don't know. I don't know about the legal issues, but hopefully you guys will get DFS back in your life soon. Question three from Michael. He says, I saw that in a couple of GPP winning lineups, people had paid up for defense. I understand that might make your lineup more unique, but with the variability off defensive scoring, does that seem optimal? I'm leaning on your new status as a GPP bro. Yeah, that, that's actually king GPP bro to you, Michael, but... Yeah, basically on defense for GPPs, like the data is very, very clear. We, everyone, is horrible at picking defense. There is almost no correlation between ownership and fantasy points for defense. There is also very weak correlation between projection and fantasy points. In other words, there's a ton of randomness. You know, kickoff returns for touchdowns, punt returns for touchdowns, whether a play is just an interception or an interception with a pick six. Like, that's so random. So paying up to be contrarian for a good defense, I think is okay. But man, once you get above 3,500 on DraftKings, it's really hard to find any base value. Like if you pay 4K for a defense and it does really well, it gets 10 or 12. I mean, that's not even good enough at 4K. The opportunity cost that you've lost by sacrificing a 6K wide receiver for a 4K wide receiver is just so much. So yeah, I hope that makes sense. Uh, question four from Ethan. He says, how do you deal with the whining? You mention it all the time, but fuck. Grown men on Twitter complaining that a player didn't perform or that the coaches are bad. I mean, should I mute or unfollow? I love fantasy, but this borderline makes me ashamed to say I play the same game. Yeah, I, I hear you, Ethan. I mean, there's nothing, nothing I hate more than whining. I mean, I can't take the whining. Oh, my top shot moments went down in value by 90%. Wah. You know, oh, Adam, Matt Nagy is an idiot. Wah. Adam, Mike Davis sucks. Wah. I mean, you guys know my motto about everything. Zero excuses. Play like a champion. Shout out to Rudy. Uh, I think people just need to change the way they look at results, you know, really in all forms of life, but definitely in fantasy football. Instead of saying, wow, Robbie Anderson sucks or, or Mike Davis sucks or I blame Calvin Ridley for my loss. It's instead, I made a bad projection on Robbie Anderson. I made a bad projection on Ridley. Like our job isn't to coach the team or play in the game. It's to predict what will happen. You know, like criticizing what coaches or players are doing wrong is such a waste of time. And I fall into the trap too, believe me, you know, but it's just so dumb. Like that's not our job. That's not how we make money. You know, we just need to look in the mirror, I think. Question five from Luke. He said, 
you've mentioned that the lines you get for player props are often gone. And if you want them early, you have to be in the Discord. If you found out that sites, the books, were in your Discord acting off of you rather than actual money coming in, could you stop that? Yeah, so for those guys who don't know, Luke is referring to the player prop system we we have been trying out for both NFL and NBA. Basically, you know, we find a prop that we want to bet. We alert the prop channel in the subscriber-only Discord, and then we release it. And yes, lines move very fast and often drastically. Um, I don't think any sites have like moles in the Discord. I do think they have something coded in their system that says if a prop gets X amount of dollars on one side, change line or remove line and reevaluate. It's just automated, most likely. Um, still typically probably have like one to three minutes before it moves, at least depending on the site. You know, one thing I'd say about, about it though is, and I, you know, I've been pleasantly surprised by limits and increasing liquidity in props. Like there seems to be, at least on some props, like decent liquidity. Like we took Derrick Henry under 149 and a half rush plus receiving yards early last week. I think, you know, Wednesday or Thursday, um, it went down after we bet it. But then there was buyback and I saw it get up to 153.5 or so, you know, which to me was a big sign that like there was public money on Derrick Henry overs. I mean, people obviously want to bet Derrick Henry overs. So as the prop market matures, you know, that's a good sign, you know, get some public money in there blasting on overs and, and, and that's good. Question six from Ben, when are we going to decide as a nation that toilet paper is a ridiculous and inefficient way to clean our asses? Bidets are a standard bathroom item in 80% of the world. I get some version of this question like five times a season. It's crazy. I didn't know so many people had like the cleaning of their asshole on their mind. But yeah, I mean, of course, Ben is right. You know, when you wipe, you're really just smearing. You know, you're not actually cleaning. Um, I've never actually personally used a bidet, but I'm super intrigued. I definitely try it. For now, though, I have a pretty good routine going. I literally, literally only defecate right before I'm about to go in the shower, period. And if something comes up, something unexpected, you know, and I have to, I have to defecate in a spot where I wasn't planning a shower, well, I drop everything and I shower, you know, easy game. Question seven from TikTok Gloom. He says, I'm 33 years old, 265 pounds, six feet tall. And I guarantee with a wide receiver trainer, I will make an NFL practice squad next season. The entire process will be filmed. Will you help? I mean, come on, bro. Uh, this is absurd. I, I assume you're joking. You know, uh, obviously I won't help regardless. But a- anytime people come at me with absurd brags, my response is always the same. You know, let's bet on it. It's really the only way to live. You know, there's nothing better than someone, you know, talking a bunch of shit, someone super arrogant talking a lot, and then just betting on it. You know, and there's nothing better than athletic bets. You know, obviously I've done all the tennis ones. I've done a bunch of others, the 6, 12, 18, 24 that Bales did, the push-ups, the fitness ones. So yeah, man, look, I'll give you some motivation. You know, I'm happy to bet against you sight unseen. I've never seen you. I've never seen a picture. But just if you're telling the truth about what you said about your age and stats, happy to bet against you. All right, question eight. Last question we're going to do today comes from the one and only. He says, are you an ass or boob man? And why is ass the right answer? Obviously, anyone can be gifted with a nice rack, but the tight ass cheeks of America seem to disappear after one passes their early 20s. 
asking from a mid-30s cash grinder bro. I'll hang up and listen. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought about answering this, and then I started thinking, like, how have they not tried to cancel me yet, you know? I feel like I've pushed the line pretty far at times, and, and I'm not going to push it on this one. I don't need to get canceled. So good question, though, one and only. Uh, appreciate it. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Solo Pod. We'll be back later tonight with Silva to go team by team through week seven and look ahead to week eight. If you have not tried out ETR yet, reminder, we do have weekly and monthly options now available on the subscribe page. For Producer Luke, for my new sign, for Jerry, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.